Well, I've, I've created a little bit of a stir, not much, but a little bit, because I, in fact, said, Pastor, I'm looking at your notes. Is this a play on words, or have you made a mistake? Uh, every once in a while, Pastor Sam has a play on words. And on Wednesday night, this kind of came to me a couple of weeks ago as I was studying uh, in concert with our, Wednesday, our Sunday morning emphasis on awakening the warrior uh, within us. I should have probably put this in quotations, one-liner, uh, so you would know. Famous Old Testament one-liners and the life lessons with it, within them. Now, I've got three or four or five stirring around in me, and I'm going to give you one tonight. But it's what, to me, famous or very well-known. Uh, here's one that we're not going to talk about tonight. Uh, there are more with us than there are with them. Okay, you probably heard that phrase. Uh, and here's one uh, that God actually said. It wasn't Moses that said, uh, uh, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. These are one-liners that have life lessons within them. And as you see tonight, I'm going to take one. And, and, and we could take this one illustration. I'm telling you, the, 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 the revelation and the insight just explodes in me when I, I, you know, these Old Testament stories of God's victory brought about, miraculous victory brought about in people's lives and in the case of the children of Israel. And and so I'm going to give you one tonight and let's see if you know where it came from and who said it, I want you to lift your hand. And it says that, don't throw it up yet, Ike, this is a quiz. All right, here it goes. Here's what the scripture, the one-liner says. Uh, it says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. How many of you know where that came from? All right, about a 30%, 40%. All right. Uh, who, who's just so, they just so know it, they want to tell me. Who said it? Who said it? David. Did y'all say David? Okay, cool. David said it, and who did he say it to? Goliath. And so, if, I've always heard, if you can't preach from David and Goliath, story of David and Goliath, you need to take up something else because it's just chock full of revelation and insight. And I love this story. So, if you will, turn with me to 1 Samuel 16 and 17. And we're going we're gonna to spend the next 45 minutes uh, or potentially an hour. And you know what? Let me just say, even though Josh left... I so appreciate Josh Trevino. The past two Wednesday nights, I've been uh, uh, abnormally out of pocket, and uh, he stepped up to the plate so wonderfully. And I want to encourage you to uh, uh, make mention to him how much you appreciate his willingness to do that. Uh, and uh, I heard he did a wonderful job. And so, what a what a great thing to have. Uh, uh, great young men who can study the Word of God and, and share a revelation from God. In fact, I just saw Trent back there. I think it's about time we hear from Trent before too long. So, Trent, you better be stirring up the thus saith the Lord because uh, uh, you got a word from the Lord in there somewhere. That And I just say, come out, come out wherever you are uh, because, hey, we need to hear what God's saying not only to us but through us. And so, 1 Samuel 17, 45, there it is. In fact, there's kind of a little more. It says, it says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, you got to understand, if you remember, in fact, uh, David uh, was, a, 
was a, a somewhat unproven vessel. Uh, now, in his mind, he wasn't an unproven vessel, as we'll learn tonight. But to everybody else, he was an unproven and in some people's mind, an unfit and incapable vessel for God to move through. But how many of you know God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise? Uh, and so this is his really, this is his first real debut, okay, public debut is with Goliath. Uh, and you know the story how, how the armies of Israel were paralyzed by this Goliath. And every day, uh, Goliath would come out and taunt the armies of Israel. The Bible says they would all stir themselves up and shout and holler and get all frothed up for battle, but no one uh, uh, was brave enough to face the Goliath. And, and the, the challenge was, if you, if you come and slay me, you know our whole army is yours. But he had them paralyzed in fear. Many times that's the way it is with us. We are paralyzed by the Goliaths in our life. And so David's first, what we would see first rattled out of the box, was an amazing display of, of courage and faith and, and in the face of the Goliaths of life. And, and just from that understanding and your, your remembrance of the, the story, uh, how many of you would say, man, that would be an awesome characteristic to have in your own life, that in the face of adversity, facing the Goliaths of life, uh, that you and I would be able to, to face that adversity with great faith and with great confidence and see God do a miracle in our midst as we war, if you will, against the, the strongholds of darkness, against the Goliaths of this life. How many of you know the world we live in has a lot of Goliaths? They, they come in all shapes and sizes. I'm not, you know, your Goliath may not be my Goliath. And so, so in just a few moments, I'm going to, we're going to look at chapter 17 and I'm going to give you eight uh, aspects of how David faced his Goliath that you, you and I can absolutely apply in our life. But here's what I want you to see tonight, even before we get there. How many of you know when you see these stories, there's something has gone on before this has gone on? Something's happening in the background. Something's going on. And I'll say it this way. There's always a prelude to these one-liner stories. There's always a prelude to these one-liner victories. Something happened. You know, David didn't just wake up that day and just out of the clear blue decide, hey, I think I'll be a mighty man of war and I think I'll face this Goliath there. Something happened. And let me just say, uh, we're going to look back in chapter 16. And we're going to see where David comes on the scene. And we're going to look at how he was anointed as the future king of Israel. We're going to see some things about him that, that, that is really the prelude to his being able to slay his Goliaths. And so we're going to look at some... And let me just say, we're going to read some things about David. But we don't know really how these characteristics came about came upon him or, or were invested in him, the only assumption we can make is that his father, Jesse, had somehow invested something in him. But I don't quite get that either because when Samuel, bring, when, when Jesse brings his firstborn, if you will, the one that everyone would assume to be the future king, uh, the, it says, 
God says, I've rejected him. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty, you know, he says, God doesn't look on the outside. God looks at the heart. And so, so I read between the lines that firstborn of Jesse did not cut the muster on the inside. So I just, I don't know if David got this on his own. You know, you can get it on your own. You don't necessarily need a good upbringing to become righteous and holy and devout, Right? It helps, but it's interesting to me. I just we don't know uh, all about his early years uh, before his debut, if you will, as a young boy, a young man. When God calls him out of the sheep fields, in fact, Psalm seventy-eight says God brought him from tending sheep and just promoted him and placed him in this position. But how many of you know, even the fact that God brought him, brought him out of the sheep field, there was something going on in the sheep field that we'll learn that put him in a place of capacity for him to slay the Goliath. And let me just say this, there's so much rolling around in me. How many of you know your Goliath, the Goliaths that you face, they're not really just your victories, they're for the sake of of those that are behind you and before you and around you. Amen. We're fighting not only for ourselves, but our brothers and our sisters. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you five things about David, the prelude to victory that I see. The first one is obvious. Uh, He had an anointing from God. In fact, if you look in verse 13, I'll try not to spend too much time on the story, but you know in in verse chapter 16 uh, that all the brothers came before Samuel and none of them got, uh, you know, the Spirit of God said to Samuel, nope, nope, nope. And they all came and he said, well, do you have any more brothers? Uh, and he said, he said, well, our sons. He said, well, I've got one, but one little. He's the, he's the youngest. And you, you see him, he's out there taking care of the sheep. In other words, David didn't even put, pardon me, Jesse didn't even put David in the lineup. His own father did not see in him what God saw in him. How many of you know sometimes other people don't see what God's put inside of you? In fact, his brothers didn't see what God had put on the inside of him. And so he says, well, you bring him here because we're not set down until he comes. And so here comes David, the one that the brothers didn't recognize. I mean, he, he was not even called when he said, bring me your sons. It, now, I can't show you this scripturally, but I heard a teaching the other day that, uh, and I couldn't, I'd have to do some study. There's, some people believe David was an illegitimate son. And I think there's a little bit of potential biblical precedence for that. I just throw that out to pique your interest. I can't, I'd have to go back and listen to this teaching to get this guy's, uh, why he, he said that. And so if that's the case... Now we see, man, he's, he's, he, he's not batting good because, man, he's illegit. He's not even considered a real, he's just the shepherd boy. Now, if that be true, this makes a little more sense. Now, don't go out and say, I said David was illegitimate. I'm not real sure, but I did hear a teaching along those lines, and I have to bring you that, uh, that the validity of that. So here he comes. Samuel says, thou art the man. You're the one. And he anoints him with oil. And I want you to look in verse 13 of chapter 16. Look what it says. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, let me just say, 
the Goliaths of life, you've got to have the Spirit of the Lord upon you. That's clear as a bell. You've got to have the anointing of God. And just put it in the context of the church. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. You've got to have, don't leave home without it. You've got to have an anointing on you to face the Goliaths of life. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit operating within you. This is the prelude to any Goliath victory in your life. That David could have never said the one-liner, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Had he not had the anointing of God upon his life. And listen, you don't want to face any Goliaths without the power of the Holy Spirit operating and upon you. It came upon him. Amen. Everyone say the anointing. Now, so he's anointed. And when he's anointed, guess what happened to Saul? The Spirit of the Lord departed from him. It's very interesting. And a distressing spirit came upon him, and, and those that uh, were around him assumed that it was from the Lord, and it could be from the Lord. And I, I don't want to get into your theology too much. There's a lot of interesting things about the Old Testament. But man, this, this was troubling to him. And, and his, his uh, assistants and helpers said, well, we need to find somebody who's skillful in playing. That's interesting to me how they knew this. I mean... Skillful in playing, someone that when they play, it would soothe Saul's soul and his spirit, and, he, and this spirit would lift. And so they went about the search, and you know the story. Uh, it says, uh, mm, let's go down. One of his servants, verse 18, it said this, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is, now catch this, skillful in playing. Everyone say skillful in playing. Skillful in playing, and then it says, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Now, let me just say, that had become his M.O. Now, he's a young man, and already he has developed an M.O. in town, and it was a good one. But understand, and here's the next, here's the next uh, part of this prelude to victory. It's not on an, only anointing, but ability. Now, interesting to me that what they looked for was someone who had some ability to play well. His ability got him in the door to the will of God for his life. I think that's an interesting insight. And we learned from Scripture that he was skillful. In fact, if you go to, and we'll probably go to Psalm 78 in a minute. It says that David was pulled from the shepherd field uh, and he... And I know it says this, and he shepherded Israel with skillfulness of hand. In other words, there was something in David that said, whatever I do, I want to do it with all my heart. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to be milk toast. I want to, don't want to be half-baked. I don't want to be a C student. I want to be an A student. And if I'm going to learn to play, I'm going to learn to play well. How many of you believe that's a God-given, I mean, does God, does God make mediocrity? Absolutely not. And what is it, Ryan? God, uh, oh, you have a saying about, uh, it's just vague out there. We talked about it once. It, God, hey, God, God doesn't raise up mediocrity. He's looking for those who will allow him to use their ability. And all of us have ability. It may not be playing skillfully, 
Ryan says he's not a five bagger. I happen to think that means a five, uh, you know, the five talents. Uh, some have, you remember the parable of the talents? One had five. Some of us are one bagger, two bagger, five bagger. I'm about a two bagger, I think. Uh, uh, I, I don't have a lot of skill when it comes to things. Uh, uh, and hey, but what I do have, I want to be the best at. And how many of you know, just that, uh, that insight of, hey, whatever's my grace, I want to do it with all my heart. I want to be the best that I can be in this area area or this arena. I want God to take my abilities and use them for his glory. But how many of you know these guys, they were looking for ability, but they got something way more than just a cap- an able guitar player or a harp player or a dulcimer player. They got a guy who was skillful in playing. And then it says, here's M.O., but, but also, he's not only a good, hey, he's got some integrity going on. He's got some, some authority going on. He's a mighty man of valor. Now, I don't know how old he was. He was a young man. And he was a man of war. That's what we're talking about, warrior, awakening the warrior within us. And then it says he was, and I love this because this is going to fit even later in this message. He was prudent in speech. Man, all those things are hugely important. Oh, and he threw in there, he was also good looking. <laughs> that doesn't hurt, does it? Uh, uh, in, in, and so he was the whole package. Okay. And they brought him, and you know the story that uh, Saul brought him into the, the king's court. In fact, the, 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 the language there says he became one of his regular attendants. And we know that he, he became... What, they, what is called his armor bearer, okay? And uh, who tends to his armor and carries his armor. How many of you know an armor bearer had to have, uh, you think about it, he had to have the skill of the soldier and then the capacity to carry the king's armor. Now, how many of you remember what happened, get over to Goliath? They tried to put that armor on him, it didn't work. How many of you know you can't, you can't wear somebody else's grace and gift and armor you've got to have your own okay and he had his ability the prelude to his victory the prelude to his one-liner you come to me with a sword and a spear uh, was he had an anointing and he had abilities and listen these were not just natural abilities i believe in natural ability some people have natural abilities but how many of you know a natural ability uh some people think tiger woods he's just a natural uh, he's having some issues now. But how many of you know, he wasn't a natural. His daddy had him out there two and three years old, coaching him like a, like a madman, uh, and he became skilled, right? And so we, uh, there, there are natural abilities. Like, for example, I don't have much rhythm. Some Nathan got rhythm. I have no rhythm. I, can't, I can play a little bit, but uh, I have no, you know, it's just not there. Okay, it's not my ability. Uh, and so, so he had an anointing, he had ability. And number three, there was an, uh, an abiding. Now let me explain this. Verse 18 says this. Therefore Saul sent messenger, oh pardon me, uh, verse 18. Uh, there was an abiding, uh, uh, and where did it say? Oh, the last part, that's one. And the Lord was with him. Everyone's saying the Lord was with him. How many of you know the Lord didn't follow him around? 
How many of you know, for the Lord to be with us, we have to welcome him in and abide in him. He doesn't come and abide in us. If you abide in me, Jesus said, I'll abide in you. That's the process, right? He's not just going to come and just, you know, spontaneously combust into Ray. Ray's got to invite him in and say, I will abide in you. In fact, let's just go back and let's think of, let's think, what did, what did, uh, 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 Saul say, uh, pardon me, Samuel say to Jesse? He said this, God's not looking at the outward appearance. God's looking at the heart. And if you go to, uh, I think it's in Acts, uh, someone has a commentary on David and he says this, he was a man after God's own heart. David somewhere in the sheep field with his dulcimer heart had made contact, if you will, with the Lord of glory. And so much so that where he went, God went. Amen. How many of you know, we've, we've got to, hey, the prelude to victory You've got to have an anointing and you've got to have ability and be the best that you can be in God's army, all those things. But you've got to have an abiding. In fact, all these three work. How many of you know ability with no anointing? You're going to get yourself in trouble because you're going to get out there and start throwing rocks at your Goliath and he's going to take your head off your shoulder. We're going to get out there and face our Goliath. We're not abiding and the Lord's presence is not ever with us. We're in serious trouble. So this is the prelude to David's victory. His first rattle out of the box. He had developed an anointing. He had developed a skill and abilities, uh, 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 even in the sheep field that we'll see. He had an abiding presence of God. And then we see an interesting one. He had an availability. He availed himself because it, once Saul saw, oh man, this is the guy. Whoo, he's the, he's the man. It says, verse 21, so David came to Saul and stood before him. There's that phrasing. Uh, in other words, became to, to serve him regularly. And he, that is Saul, loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. So it was that whenever the spirit of God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. I'm telling you, uh, David was available to God. Now, there are people who have ability but no availability. There are people who have anointing but but. God, but hey, I got my own schedule. They, they, how many of you know, we've got to come, if we're going to be a giant slayer, if we're going to be victorious, if we're going to be warriors, we've got to be available, avail ourselves to God's open doors in our life. Little did David know that his skill in playing would put him in a place of prominence, to a place of influence. You see, he didn't know as a little boy that, as far as I know, that he would one day be the future anointed king. But he placed himself in a place where God's plan could be realized. And when the open door came, he walked through the open door. He made himself available. And then number five, I love this one. He had attitude. Attitude is everything, John Maxwell says. I don't know if it's everything, but it's pretty much. If you, 
you got to, if you have anointing and ability, and I don't know if you can really have anointing if you have a sour attitude, but if you have ability and you're, you know, all these things, and your attitude is south, you're in trouble because attitude is everything. What was his attitude? Well, we know by what I quoted to you from, from the New Testament, he was a man after God's own heart, but he became his armor bearer. His attitude was servitude. These are, the, these are the elements, a few of the elements in David's life that were, that were the prelude to his victory. His first rattle out of the box to amaze everyone with one stone and a sling. He had five stones. Some people say because he, Goliath had five brothers. I don't know if that's true or not. It may be. Uh, it probably is. Uh, he figured, well... I, if I, if I hit him, I'm going to have to get his brothers too. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it only took one. And so take these thoughts to your own life and realize, hey, if, if we're going to learn anything from this Goliath, uh, and, and I think this is so important to see these five things at least so we can better understand chapter 17. How could a young man just walk into the battlefield and go, I'll take him down. <laughs> You know, no, there was a prelude to his victory, and there it is. Anointing, ability, abiding, availability, and servant's attitude. So with that in mind, uh, let's, let's jump into the next chapter, chapter 17. And I'm going to give you some things that uh, we see operating in David. Uh, I'm going to do it pretty quick here, maybe 20 minutes, uh, 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 and, and how he faced the giants in his life or the giant in his life. Goliath, And as I said, a, a giant is anything, any enemy or obstacle that appears too big to battle. And that's the way it was with this army of Israel. He's just too big. They all had the, they all had, they had stirred themselves up, but nobody, nobody stepped up. And, and though I haven't... I think 30 days or 40 days, I'd have to, it, it was, I think it's recorded in here some, oh yeah, uh, and the Philistine drew near, and this is verse 16, presented himself 40 days, morning and evening, how many of you know, this is an old, this is a, this, this, this recording's getting old, 40 days, every morning and every evening, come on, and here comes David, sent by his dad, to bring food to the front lines and help feed the stalemate. <laughs> he probably, in retrospect, he should have starved them out and sent them home. But uh, he's feeding the stalemate. Uh, and so here comes David. And you know the story. David, he's interested. And he, and he jumps in and starts asking questions about this Philistine. And uh, uh, verse 26, he says, Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And look what it says. And the people answered him in this same manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And in fact, uh, I miss that part, but you get all kinds of wealth and the king's daughter, I believe. In verse 28, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why do you come down here? 
And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. And David said, uh, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Now, and that is there not a cause kind of can be mistranslated. Basically say, uh, don't I have a, can I just ask a few questions? Now, his older brother, the last thing he wanted to hear was his little brother coming in, talking smack. He really wasn't talking smack, but how many of you know 40 days of sitting around in your fear makes you a little jumpy? And his brother ridiculed him. In fact, his brother judged the intent of his heart. As we already know from Scripture, his heart was not rebellious and, and wayward. He, he was a man after what? God's own heart. So here's the first thing that I see David was able to do in facing his giant. He refused the ridicule of others. Or you could say his brothers. Let me tell you, when everybody's facing a giant and you got a little anointing and you got a little ability and you got some abiding and availability and right attitude, hey, not everybody's blessed by your anointing. Not everybody's blessed by, by the fact that, hey, how many of you know Eliab saw Samuel pour the oil on him? Not, not everybody's happy that you're anointed. And there will be ridicule in this world, sometimes coming from those who are closest to us. Now, I don't know if that fits you, if that shoe fits for you, but let me just say, at some point in the battles of life, there will be obstacles that are getting in the way of you facing your giant. Little things, when it comes down to it, are keeping you from the big things. What if David had a way, oh man, I'm, God, I didn't mean to, I'm so, and bail out. He said, can I just ask a few questions? And he kept asking questions. He kept asking questions. And finally it got to Saul. And Saul said, bring him here. Because Saul knew there was something about this little boy, this young man, that was different than all his brother. This young man has the capacity to keep that distressing spirit off my back. And you know what? He, he said, okay. You can do it. So, but here, number one, you, you, can't let, you can't let the critique, the criticism of family and friends. You can be nice, but understand, not everybody's going to believe in you. Not everybody's going to be, believe in you. I'll never forget. Uh, have you ever seen, uh, oh, what's his name? He, he's... Help me, Ryan. He told, he's an evangelist. He's got some kind of terrible speech impediment. Oh, huh? Yeah, cerebral palsy. I forget his name. He's a great guy. It'll come to me later. He said, and I'm not being, I'm not being critical here. He said, I have cerebral palsy. People told me, you can't preach. You got cerebral palsy. 
He said, last year I preached 257 times. And he said, next year I think I go full time. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to remember his name. David Ring. That's it, man. If you, hey, Google him. He will bless you. Listen, he had all kinds of people. You can't do that. Who's going to listen to you? Well, I'm quoting him here today. Come on now. You can't let the critique, the ridicule, the demeaning of this world invade your world. Or you'll never slay your Goliath. You'll never face your Goliath. I think of Nehemiah. I know we'll probably look at Nehemiah this month too. But Nehemiah had his Sanballat and Tobiah. And they said, oh, what? Yeah, this thing you're trying to do, the little foxes are going to come knock that down. You'll never do that. You can't do that. It's kind of like the guy who's uh, building the riverboat, the steamboat for the first time. He had a guy come every day. He said, you'll never get it going. Every day he'd come down. You'll never get it going. This is stupid. You can't do that. You'll never get it going. Finally, the riverboat, you know, chugga, chugga, boom, boom, chee, chee, wee. And the wheel started turning and sure enough it started going down the Mississippi River and that guy chased him down the bank going you'll never get it stopped you'll never get it stopped there's always those voices you gotta hey you can't let that in you gotta just you gotta you gotta say who hey who am I amen and, I, and what he's saying is not who I am all right here we go number two I'll jump in you David refused the ridicule of others he resisted the fear of his natural eye. Let me tell you something. What you see with the natural eye many times will always cause you to fear. What were the armies of Israel looking through? The natural lens of life. And it paralyzed them in fear. Listen, Goliath will always appear uh, uh, and, and, and appeal to your sense of fear. The Bible says don't be afraid of sudden fear. Don't be afraid of sudden fear. And he didn't allow that to happen. In fact, Deuteronomy 20, we don't have time to go there, but it's the rules of war. And most of the rules of war in Deuteronomy 20 have to do with do not fear. I want to say do not fear. Man, if you're going to, be, if you're going to slay your Goliath, if you're going to, you, you cannot allow fear to paralyze you. Uh, let me just go, David, because... Let me just jump over to Psalm 27. I'll hit these as quick as I can. I'll quote them to you, but you can write them down if you're taking notes. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came upon me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Oh, man. How many of you know he... He figured that out early on. Uh, and we know how he figured it out, but I'll share that with you in a minute. So, resist the fear of the natural eye. Number three, he relied upon the Lord in every arena of his life, but especially in facing these adversaries of life. I got out of 1 Samuel. Let me get back to 1 Samuel. Uh, uh, Look in verse 17, ver, chapter 17, verse 37. Look what he says, what it says right here. Verse, that moreover, okay, they're saying, how in the world do you think you're going to do this? He says, moreover, David said, the Lord. Everyone say, the Lord. Now, 
He's got a history here. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. You see, he was reliant upon the Lord in his life, even in the sheep field, even in the pasture, when no one was around. He was reliant upon God in every area of his life. Amen. He he wrote this later, trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. That's exactly what he did here with this Goliath. He didn't lean to his own understanding, his natural eye, let fear take. He relied upon the Lord. Amen? In fact, gosh, Psalms 3. Ah, man, I, just write it down. Psalm 3, read it later. Uh, Psalm 3. Uh, man, the, the, how they are increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say in my soul, there is no help for you in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. A glory in the lifter of my head. Woo, I'm telling you. What was he saying? I'm reliant. It doesn't matter how many enemies coming against me. I'm reliant upon God. Amen. Number four, facing his giants, he rehearsed the faithfulness of God. Rehearse God's faithfulness. Let me just ask you. Uh, you're here tonight, so I know the answer. How many of you know uh, that you can look in your life and, and, and see where God's been faithful to you in the adversities of life? That's what he did about the, the bear and the lion. If you look back in verse 34, look what he said. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. I love it. Hey, he rehearsed the faithfulness of God. If God's going to help me take care of a lion and a bear, this uncircumcised Philistine is no different to God than the lion or the bear. He was with me there, and he'd be with me then. Let me just throw that out as a thought. The, The battles of life that have been obscure and hidden to others, are training ground for your Goliaths, which everybody sees. How you handle the small things, oh, a bear and a lion is small, or the hidden things, is an insight about how you'll handle the more overt things that come your way. Amen? So he rehearsed the faithfulness of God. Psalm 27, 1 is, uh, and through 6, you can write that down because it's just, a, again, the rehearsal of the faithfulness of God. And then number five, he relied upon the proven pathway. Now, this is where uh, Saul tried to give him his armor. He said, no, nah, this just doesn't work for me. And so he went out and got his sling and his stone. That was the proven pathway. Listen, there's some things. Listen, uh, let me throw this out. There's some things that you have learned already that were learned in places where it seems like it's not that important, but will become important in your future days. You need to understand there's some, the things you're learning now are for your tomorrows. And so that's what we see from David. He said, I'm going to rely on the proven pathway. I'm going to rely upon what has worked for me, not what's worked for Saul. You know, it wasn't working for Saul. How's that armor working for you? You've been sitting here 40 days and 40 nights. Here's what I, here, and he picked up the sling and the stone. This is where, this is my wheelhouse. This is where I feel right. This is what works for me. 
This is how God has handled me and how he has trained me. And this is the, the, the and, and where did he learn this? Out in the sheep fields, in the obscure places. And in some people potentially out where he was banished apart and away from the family because they were potentially embarrassed of him. He relied on the proven pathway. God's, let me just say, God's teaching us some things that if we'll learn them, he'll let us use them in greater ways and measures and means than ever before. Amen. Rehearse the faithfulness of God. Rely on the proven pathway. Number six, respond rightly with winner's words. Everyone say winner's words. Now, I'm telling you, this is huge. This is, I've, heard pe- I've had people try to just use number six. It doesn't, you can't just talk your way into victory. There's got to be some prelude to victory. But I'm telling you, you can talk yourself out of a victory. Hello? And David used winner's words. Look in verse 42. It says, Then when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, Here it is. This is winner's words. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have, have defied. This day, I love that. This day, not 40 days from now. This day, everybody say this day. Now that's winner's words. You ever see fighters get ready for the fight? They're getting all frothed up. Now one of them is going to flatly get beat. Very rarely is there a tie. But both of them have enough sense to speak winner's words. And not listen to their enemies' winning words. And so he speaks it. He said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the, give your carcass, give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, that's winner's words. And it's powerful. Death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. When you face your giant, you've got to have winner's words. It's not just, just jabber. And, and it's, it's a declaration. What did, hey, Joel 3, proclaim this to the nations, prepare for war. That prepare had the connotation of declare war and declare what you're going to do. Amen. I just, pardon me, but I go back all the way to 9-11 and President Bush standing up on that rubble with that fireman. He said, those who knock down these buildings are going to hear from us. They're going to hear from me. We're coming after you. And we're not stopping until we find. Hey, that's, that's winner's word. Amen. Then number seven, represent rightly. Verse 45, what did he say? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Listen, we are, we are representatives of God. And we can't misrepresent the Lord. We can't. We can't. We've got to rightly represent him in all 
all things and be righteous representatives of the Lordship of Christ and the authority of God in our life. Everyone say represent rightly. And then number eight, what did David do? Let's just read it and then I'll give you the phrase. So it was, verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He ran towards the roar. Everyone say run towards the roar. That's number eight. That's the final one. Listen, because, hey, go back to Ephesians 6. Hit it, Ike. Go back to Ephesians 6. There's no, there's, no, uh, there's no armor on our backside. That means there is no retreat. That means at the very least we stand our ground. And more offensively, if you remember one of our discussion points last Sunday and the Sunday before, most Christians are def- defensive in nature against the devil. They're not, they're, they, they're not offensive. Listen, offense endeavors to move forward. Everyone say move forward. How many of you know if you run four plays in football and you don't go one yard, you turn the ball over? Offense is to move forward. And David ran towards the roar. He ran towards the Goliath in his life. And you know the story. David put his hand in the bag and took out the stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Can you imagine that scene? (laughs) Whoa. That's amazing. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Everybody say, when Goliath is dead, the armies will fled. (laughs) They will. When you're Goliath, hey, when the Goliath, you just think what the, when you begin to slay the Goliaths of life, the devil and all his demons they think twice before they mess with you. You got to run towards the roar. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. That's a famous one-liner, but oh, the lessons learned before and after and during are life-changing for all of us. God is awakening the warrior within all of us. Tonight, I want to pray for you. Some of you are in the middle of battles. Some of you, some of us, may have been on the sidelines. It's time we prepare for war. Let's stand together. Let's just 
ask God to help us learn from this young shepherd boy some principles of war and to realize that all of us on some level are in the theater of war in our life. There is a battle going on for the souls of men, not only for us, over us, and we don't war just for our sake, but, but we battle for one another. Look around you and say, and see, see those, hey, see, we've we got to fight for each other. We've got to fight for each other. We've got to fight for each other. Not fight with each other, fight for each other. Amen? We get that right. We quit fighting with each other and start fighting for each other. Father, tonight we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for this story of a young man, David, who you chose out of the sheep fields, who you raised up and prepared him as a man of war. And even before he ever faced his Goliath, his M.O. was a mighty man of valor and a man of war. Lord, raise that up within all of us. Awaken the warrior within us, Lord. And Father, tonight, for those that are facing battles and war and upheaval in their life, we stand together. I want you to do something tonight, just if there's someone close to you, lay your hand on their shoulder. And let's just pray for one another. We don't know what's going on in other people's lives. Lord, we pray for one another. We war, as we warred for Jim tonight, we war for one another. And Lord, we pray, God, that each of us, Lord, would begin to awaken uh, the warrior within each of us, Lord. And we'd begin to do spiritual battle, Lord God, in the heavenlies. And as Paul said, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Lord, David was wrestling against flesh and blood. But Lord, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And today we bind the strong man off of one another. We bind the devil off of each other. We break the back, Lord God, of, of, of trauma and trouble. And, and attack and the Goliaths that have taunted us Lord we stand against them with one another in the name of Jesus and Lord now tonight we pray for others in our church family Lord some who are so beat down some who are paralyzed by fear and by the Goliaths of their life we pray God the De- David spirit would come upon them the Holy Ghost would come upon them and you would awaken the warrior within them and they would begin to arise Lord and do battle Lord God in the spirit spirit realm we stand uh, <coughs> in their behalf and we pray God you would raise them up today in Jesus name and everybody said amen Woo, y'all are looking good tonight give give a couple of warriors a high five and say hey good to have you in the family amen God bless you all love you